If I have to hold myself, what do you do with Alzheimer's and dementia? What do you, what do, you do with, with things brain to And you can't think straight anymore. Now is your faith contingent upon how you think? And so that's where I don't believe a person can have their name erased uh, from the book of life. But I tell them, you better live like you can. And then I do get people that get mad at me on this. They say, well, you're, you're just uh, once saved, always saved. And people can do and live however they want. That's not biblical. And I say, no, if they're living however they want, they're not saved. They didn't lose it. They just don't have it. It's, it's clear. They walked among us, but they were not of us. But had they been of us, they would have stayed with us. Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today on Regaining Lost Ground, we hear the fourth part of this fiery message from Pastor Shane titled, The Unholy Trinity 666, Revelation 13. Matthew 6, 24 tells us that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and the world. Today, Pastor Shane sounds the alarm and is shaking both sleepy believers and unbelievers alike to wake up. There is a right side and a wrong side. The question is, will you spend eternity with God or an eternal torment without Him? Listen up right now. Choose this day whom you will serve. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Eidelman. What, what did he say? What? Because you've got to wake people out of their slumber. You've got you to wake them out of their slumber. I love talking to a Mormon. I'll, I'll jar them up. I'll say, either you, got, you put me in a predicament. Either Joseph Smith is right or Jesus Christ is right. You can't have them both. What did you just say? I'm going to bring back my bishop. Please do. Please do. You, you, you have to wake them up because you love someone. God rebuked passivity in the Bible. We know of Eli, that priest, that God rebuked because he wouldn't restrain his sons. Do you know Samuel did the same thing? He would not restrain his sons. And God gave him a king. Passivity, passivity. Another article, it just came out in the Washington Times today. You can find it on the number one problem in the conservative movement is we have the truth, but we have no love. Because I can say everything I just said, but if it's from an angry, bitter heart, how dare you, and my heart's wrong, I can hurt people. But if God breaks me and there's weeping, I, I love our nation, I love our children, I love the public schools, I love, I love libraries, <laughs> taking my daughter on dates there, but I'm not going to let a transgender, perverted man read to children and say nothing. You might as well just, put me, just take me out of the game. How can we walk around as cowards and say nothing? But shame, I act like Jesus. Yeah, I'm about ready to throw over a money changer in table two. Can you, can you imagine that? 
And listen, listen. Can you imagine if there's a, a man sexually provocative to children, what he would do? He, there's nothing wrong with money changers in the temple. Did you know that? Research it. Nothing wrong with it. You have, actually have to have it to exchange the denarii or this or this coin or this coin for the, the sacrifice. But they were taking advantage of the people in God's house. I would, if, if there's a couple things in the Bible, parting the Red Sea, resurrection, <laughs> watching Jesus flip over some tables and make a whip, let's just think this through. He, that takes a minute. Can you do it? I used to make, you know, you take three, three cords, Laura, you probably know with horsing, and you rope the cords and you get it and you get it and you get it, maybe tie a knot, get some, you know, things in, and, and boy, you got a nice little whip there. And he, because he couldn't physically hit them, which, but he could drive them out. Oh, what do he say? Zeal for my father's house has consumed me. How much more should we say? Zeal for God's word has consumed me. He loves the little ones and he loves this, and this perversion is pulling us down. Oh, it'd be better for you if you were not even born than a millstone hung around your neck and cast into sea than to lead one of these little ones astray. Our, our silence speaks volumes. Don't be mean. Don't be angry. Don't be violent. But for the love of God, be bold and say, you are perverted. You will not hurt our children. If that offends you, good. 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 I'm glad that offends you. We don't share it a lot, but people can. I'm never coming back to your church, Pastor. You offended me. Well, is it, is it a good offense, though? Let's talk about it. Is it a good offense? Because if it is, I'm glad I offended you. My God, I'm not playing games. I didn't come here to make friends. I didn't come here for all of you to say, well, but that was so great. Everybody just loved it. Nobody's feelings are hurt. Because I read the prophets, they hurt my feelings. I just read in Hosea, they became an abomination like the thing they left. I'm like, oh God. What is blasphemy? What is, what, what, they're going to blaspheme what is it? It's saying or doing things that insult God or Christ and offends His followers. In the United States, blasphemy used to be a criminal offense. Did you know that? I, I love this case. It's in my book, One Nation Above God. We've got free copies if you ever want any. In the People versus Rugals, 1811. I love this court case. The defendant was tried in court for making vulgar comments about Jesus and his mother. I can't say what he said. In public, he said this. The defendant's attorney, though, said, hey, <laughs> open and shut case, just like today. There's nothing they can do based on freedom of speech. Well, the judge didn't agree because he understood the true intent of this First Amendment. The defendant was convicted, fined, and sentenced to three months in jail. Although foreign to our way of thinking, Judge Kent plainly stated, nothing could be more offensive to the virtuous part of the community or more in, in, uh, injurious, injuries, right? Inflicting more injuries to the tender morals of the young than to declare such profanity lawful. 
That guy is bold. Basically, he's telling the person, you're in trouble. Freedom of speech? You're, you said these perversions about Jesus and you're, you're altering the conscience of the young kids and you're giving them this bad example? You misunderstood the intent of the First Amendment. The original intent of the First Amendment, here, you guys ready for the biggie here? <laughs> it's so you could speak the truth and not be hindered from the government. King George, they would go, you, you can't say anything against the king. King George III, I believe it was. You can't say anything against the king. It's, it's like nothing, right? It's like you can't say anything. So the First Amendment said, yes, you can share grievances about the government and what they're doing. Now they're trying to shut us down from that, but it's okay to promote child porn on Twitter and Facebook. That's free speech. Are you kidding me? It was never meant to injure other people. See, with freedom of speech comes moral responsibility. So although I have the freedom to say things, I have a moral responsibility to make sure that freedom doesn't hurt others. And our freedom of speech is out of control. So blasphemy. But the Bible also talks about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Have you heard that term? How many of you heard the term blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Okay, I know there's more of you than that, but we'll go with that. I, 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 this would be a whole teaching on its own. But it's actually, if you read it in context, the religious leaders... Jesus was doing all these miracles and the religious leader said, that's not God, that's the devil. And Jesus goes on to say, they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. All other sins will be forgiven, but not the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So, I'm going to unpack that for a minute because I think it's important. Number one, without a shadow of a doubt, it's attributing the work of God to Satan. Okay? This is my big beef against cessationism. And there's a big conference coming up at a church here about an hour from us on sensationism. So I told one of the speakers this week, I said, you're walking a very dangerous line. You are calling, because of some clowns on YouTube, you're dismissing all of the fruit and work of the Holy Spirit. You're calling a genuine move of God Satanic. Of course, he never responded, but isn't that true? Did you know what you just saw this morning? Did you know what you just saw this morning? Last night was incredible that every single one of those speakers would say, That's not God. That's emotionalism and demonic. God help them. Well, I'm sure glad I don't believe that. Can you imagine that frigid, frozen state of Christianity? Don't get too excited. Don't go to the altar. Don't get emotional. John, three songs is enough. What are you, what are you, what are you doing this for? <laughs> you can't. You can't. What are you doing this for? And, and he... Oh, see, he's getting emotional. He's trying, to, he's, trying to, he's trying to draw people in. These guys are modern-day Pharisees. 
Of course they don't know anything about the Spirit of God moving in their life. They're, never, they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Now, let's put that phrase in context. The reason it's not forgivable is these religious leaders that Jesus was addressing were not Christians. They didn't know God. They're on their way to hell. So you can't, I can't say that about this group of people. So these religious leaders were attributing the works of God to Satan and thus rejecting Jesus. That's the unpardonable sin. That's the unpardonable sin in the Bible. When you reject Jesus, from there, there is no forgiveness. Now, can a person reject him and then come back to him? I believe so. And that's what blasphemy is going to be. It's going to be so... The, the blasphemy taking place right now is incredible. I, and sometimes I like, Lord, am I in a dream, a nightmare, in the twilight zone? It's been a long time. Why are these two drag queens at a church reading to kids and wearing thongs and dancing on... With these, with, these guys have problems. And I'm the problem? <laughs> but see, that is a society so deluded so polluted with moral corruption that they call good evil and evil good. They drink the Kool-Aid. You know what that phrase comes from? Close to a thousand people dead by following a cult leader. Jim Jones, they drank the Kool-Aid. I saw pictures this week. I went and researched it. Just the hundreds of people across this, this property dead. Children. They drank the Kool-Aid. They followed this person who was not of God. I heard him like talk for three sentences. I'm like, I know he's not a God. What's wrong with these people? Drink the Kool-Aid. So that's blasphemy. And that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And blasphemy in this time is going to be so rampant. Which, (laughs) to me, it's, it's getting... How do you, like, Lord, what's, what's, what's worse? What's next? I mean, there's stuff, I can't, because there's kids in here, I can't even tell you. If you follow Victor Marks and what he's doing, and like these two gay guys adopted this son, this little baby, it just, I just want to hit somebody. It's like, well, and I can't even tell you what, what happens. Like, Lord, this is not right. This is, something's off here. And I, I don't want to go old school Shane Eidelman, Lord, so please keep me humble, <laughs> broken. Right? Because you, you want to hit people. You want to throw over Ronnie Changer things because now it's, you've crossed the line. They have crossed the line. You're hurting little innocent kids. Guys, you've crossed the line. This is not, I'm not playing games anymore. I can't hurt you, but God can. Amen. And I'm going to pray that he wakes you up and you repent. And so it was granted to him, verse 7. So who granted to him to make war? So this, this, this beast is now going to make war with the saints. So see, there are Christians here during this time. And he's going to overcome them. And the authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation, basically over the whole world. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And it's a great reminder that God's sovereignty is our sanity, is it not? Because <laughs> the saints will actually be overcome by this. 
And I, to me, it's a great encouragement. I don't like this, but it's a great encouragement. Like, okay, sometimes evil looks like it's winning. It does, doesn't it? It's like, dang. <laughs> Everything I just explained, right? The last 15, it looks like evil. God, we're not winning. <laughs> Anybody feel that way? Uh, California's a cesspool. Sacramento's a septic tank. Washington is a leech line. God, we're, we're, we're not winning. Hello. Jesus even said, you got me. Take me. This is your hour. <laughs> Just give me a couple more days here. Man, can you, I just get, I get goosebumps. Jesus, you got me, okay. <laughs> yep, this is your hour. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, sir. Oh, God, when he, when's the temp? I can't wait to watch that veil rant. I can't wait till the, the earth to shake and the Roman soldier to say, clearly this was the Son of God. And darkness came across the whole land and the dead rose from the graveyards and started walking away from... What were they saying then? This is a man. God is awesome. And this is where I believe spiritual war often turns into physical war. The spiritual battle will have physical consequences. And this is not a message on taking up arms and what do we do, when do we fight, when don't. I get that question a lot. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't have an answer. I know that's not our default position. That's not what we're looking for. Uh, The culture we live in, it's not like 1776, (laughs) right? You got this invading army, Great Britain, and actually it wasn't a bunch of farmers rebelling. It was called the law of a lesser magistrate. That the governing officials in the United States, governing officials declared the war, and the citizens followed those governing officials. And people are like, oh, no, 1776, civil war. What are you going to do? Shoot, please. Half these guys are my friends. What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. But at what point do you defend your family? Absolutely. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Wouldn't even blink. Me? Take me. It's it. Like you give up your life. But now you're coming after others that I'm called to protect? You know, we got a, we got a problem there. But again, I don't know how it's all going to manifest. I know where it's, our heart shouldn't be for war. Our heart shouldn't be to build up ammunition. and that's not Because then you can become very fearful and you can become off-balanced. Right? And when you're off balance, and when you're fearful, and when you're watching all the doomsday preppers, you might pull the nine millimeter instead of bowing your knee and praying. He who uses a sword is going to die by the sword. There are times when it appears evil is winning. But I want to I talk about this real quick. The book of life. The book of life. Gotquestions.org. I quote them often. I don't agree with some of the things. Uh, again, you'll never find a website you'll agree with everything. But they said, if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The book of life in this context is the set of names of those who will live with God forever in heaven. The book of life is also mentioned in these other passages. The same book is called the Lamb's Book of Life because it contains the names of those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The great white throne judgment described in Revelation 20 that we'll get to I wish I could hop to all these things right now, but I've got to be patient, is a judgment for unbelievers. That passage makes it clear that no one at the judgment has had his name in the book of life. The fate of the ungodly is sealed. Their names are not in the book of life. Their punishment is sure. 
Now, the question always comes up, can their name be erased from the book of life? Right? Well, I'll let the Calvinists and the Armenians debate that. Right? Because one thinks you can lose a salvation, another thinks you can't lose a salvation. I've shared my view plenty of times on this topic. Um, and I, I don't believe that a person can lose their salvation once they are sealed with the Holy Spirit, once the Holy Spirit is given to them as a guarantee, once you are a child of God, a supernatural act takes place and you are born again. Now, not everyone agrees. Half this church probably disagrees. And that's okay because there are warning verses that I've talked about before on um, warning a believer to abide, warning, warning, warning a believer not to fall away. And, and, so there's, and so what I do, if I weigh everything on the scale, I come away with, okay, Unless the Holy Spirit seals me means I can undo the seal. Unless the Holy Spirit is given to me as a partial guarantee, not a full guarantee. Because he says the Holy Spirit is given to you as a guarantee until you receive your inheritance. So can I undo that? This, all these languages, I'm, I, think, I think we're sealed. And God holds us. Whole, now the, and cry, how can you be a child of God? And then a, you know, six months later, I'm no longer a child of God. Guys, sorry, you see me walking around Walmart drinking and laying out and I'm homeless now. And I come back to the Lord. Oh man, I'm born again. That was a close call. Whew. Aren't you guys glad? And here I go again, walking away in a couple years. Now I'm not minimizing that. I'm not trying to make fun, but that's my mind. That's how I think. How can the supernatural act took place where I'm a, I'm a child of God? Now there are verses that warn abiding, don't fall away. And I, I can break them down. I think the context says a lot. But I'm, I'm resting in God's sovereignty. That he holds me. I, if I have to hold myself, what do you do with Alzheimer's and dementia? What do you what do, you do with, with things, brain, and you can't think straight anymore? Now is your faith contingent upon how you think? And so that's where I don't believe a person can have their name erased from the book of life, but I tell them you better live like you can. And then I do get people that get mad at me on this. They say, well, you're, you're just... Uh, once saved, always saved, and people can do and live however they want. That's not biblical. And I say, no, if they're living however they want, they're not saved. They're, they didn't lose it. They just don't have it. It's, it's clear. They walked among us, but they were not of us. But had they been of us, they would have stayed with us. Okay. But again, but again, there are people here, even on leadership or deacons, that, that, that think you can lose your salvation, and I respect that view. I understand it. When you look at the Scriptures, again, it's like, <laughs> like, I, I just have a, to me, there's a lot more support for God holding us in a supernatural act. Because being born again, something supernatural takes place. It's not just, oh, a decision, I'm, I want to be on this team, now I want to be on this team. Like, born again, you are supernaturally sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that's how you can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. He never leaves you. The Bible never says he leaves you because as a believer, you're given the Holy Spirit and you can quench and grieve to such a degree you feel lost. In my 20s, I was quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit and then when I came back to him, I thought I was never saved to begin with because of how much I'm on fire for God now and how I'm quenching and grieving the Spirit. But there was always that conviction. He's calling, wake up, child. It's your turn to shine. You born. He's calling, wake up, child. It's your turn to shine. You were born for such a time as this, such a time as this. 
You've been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship.